Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits, brought to you by Inroads Ministries. This is episode 71 of the show where geeks get together to talk about God, and God followers get together to talk about geeky things. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna, and I'm freaking exhausted. Are you? <laughs> there has been so much going on lately, dude. Well, and it's like, you know, the uh, witching hour there for you. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm used to this, though. This isn't the problem. Right. This is downright early for me. So the... you have been busy. I can't remember the timeline. The uh, timeline? When was our last show, and you were doing stuff, and what order did everything happen in, and how are things have been? Well, uh, I can give kind of a an afterthought of the, the conference that I attended. Okay. Where we had an inroads ministry table. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good. I mean, it was a small conference. It was... Whenever you do the first conference, there's always going to be a smaller crowd because people don't realize it's a thing yet. Right, right. For so, sure. But even... But even, you get to say that you're like, hey, I was there before it was cool. Well, yeah, I do get that all-important hipster cred. Yes. But aside from the all-important hipster cred, uh, it was it was bigger than the people running it thought it was going to be. They were expecting about 20 people. I probably saw like 30 to 40 people. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of people that stopped by the table and did what people often do when they hear about what we're trying to do with inroads. They, huh, <laughs> that that moment of, of, gosh, I never thought this would be a thing. But uh, some really cool conversations happened, and I had a lot of people walk away by saying that even if they weren't a geek, every one of them was like, oh, my brother, my sister, my niece. Everybody knew somebody that needed to hear about this. So it was it was a really cool it was a really cool little event. Nice. So so we had that running. That's a good first experience, I imagine. Yeah, and it was cool too because I got to to kind of test run some yeah, of the promo exactly. stuff that I've been designing and gearing up for Gen Con. Uh, so we we have a very sweet banner, and I got to I got to road test the banner. So, it, now, you know... When is, when is Gen Con? Gen Con is I, August... I can't go. There's no chance in the universe, so <laughs> I don't know these things. It's it's in August. I can't remember the specific date. It's one of the teens. I have it written down. I have my tickets paid for. Um, I will be road... In tri- Indianapolis, right? Yes. It's the most epic road trip I go so on. So you do know that our mutual podcasting friend has accepted a senior pastor position in Indiana. I've heard about this. I don't know where in position of uh, Indianapolis okay, well, it I, is. Unfortunately, my geographical knowledge of Indiana... Is limited? Um, I don't know if limited is an appropriate word. Is non-existent? I think devoid, maybe, is <laughs> the right word. Like, I probably could point to it on a map if I got three tries, you know? Um, but he is just south of Chicago. So I don't know how far that is, but maybe you guys will be able to, to hook up or, uh, or maybe. something like that. I, uh, I will also say that uh, Ben Avery from Strangers and Aliens has said yeah. that he, he lives not that far from there. So it's short enough that he could road trip, and he and I are going to try and connect out there. Uh, I'm trying to connect with, obviously, Derek White, the Geek Preacher. We're going to be hanging out because I'm sharing a room with him again this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will also be... uh, Who else said they were going to be there? Uh, Needless to say, anybody that we've talked to, any podcasters we've even uh, remotely associated with... And anybody who's listening, if you happen to be at Gen Con, make things happen. There will be there will be a lot of me wandering around, and I will be desperately looking to get games together. And so Gen Con is definitely going to be a thing. That is, uh, however, not the the closest thing that I'm preparing for. Again, part of the exhaustion. Probably the closest event that I'm preparing for is on April the 5th, which is going to be happening right around the corner from when this podcast goes live. Uh, okay. We are doing our Tabletop Day 12-hour Game-a-thon to raise money for Love True, which is an, a local organization cool. that is looking to end sex trafficking here in New Jersey, and that will obviously have implications throughout the country as well. 
So, I, sadly, it was really upsetting to me, and, you know, technology, and especially Skype, the bane of our existence, uh, hates me. And I had an interview with uh, a friend of mine who was actually part of the team over at Love True. She and I talked for about a half hour about what that organization does and what they want to use the money for, and it was going to be such a great interview, it was going to be bonus content, and my computer ate it. Uh... It, it basically caught about five minutes of introduction stuff, which wasn't even part of the interview, and then just stopped. So, hopefully... So folks, instead, go to inroadsministries.com, go to Game Store Profits, go to the Tavern. There's info there. Yes, yeah, so and... it's also on our events uh, page on Inroads, and I will probably put the links to them. It, it's love-true.org. And uh, we'll be we'll be talking with them. We'll be doing all sorts of stuff. We'll, I'll be I'll be tweeting and putting. I I did just create an Inroads Instagram account because I am the master of all things social media for Inroads. Thank you, Lord. And uh, so I'll be I'll be putting up pictures on Instagram and uh, basically the event will be covered. If uh, you want to to help out. Uh, I wanted to get some some donations of games for raffles and stuff. Uh, the only donation we have is coming. I did order it, uh, and it's it's actually coming out of my pocket. But uh, I'll I'll talk about that one in a second. So we we put out uh, that you could donate gift cards to cool stuff, and I would use them to buy games for raffles. By the time this goes live, it's going to be too close to do that. However, if you want to go to the Love True website and directly uh, donate to them. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Uh, because the interview didn't get to happen, I'm pretty much just going to share this with you guys. One of the things that they're really trying to do is uh, when they have the 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 girls that are, are rescued out of the situation, you know, most of them come from other countries or they're from other parts of other parts of this country and they're they're brought around all over the place. So they need a place to stay. They need a place that's safe, that no one knows that they're going to be there, that the people who brought them over here have no idea where they can be found. Um, and so they're they're actually looking to build a house uh, for these girls to stay while they're uh, get, getting reconnected with their families or, or all the different stuff that needs to happen to uh, return these girls to a normal life. So pretty much every cent that we make on this event is going to them. And every cent that goes to them is going to go towards building that house. So it's going to be a really cool event, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a really good cause that really could use some money. So definitely look into that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, since we're doing events, uh, this is not quite as profound, but uh, it is now done. If you're on the West Coast, if you're out in the Bay Area especially, uh, I'm going to be at KublaCon, and uh, it turns out that uh, some guys, at least one guy from our local gaming group, is uh, going to be joining me. His name's Alan, and uh, so while we're up there, we are going to record together, and we are going to do a uh, just an overview of what Kubla is all about. It's a smaller convention, and so for those of you who don't have the wherewithal to make it across the country in some cases to get to a Gen Con or a Dragon Con or an Origins or a BGG or a Dice Tower Con or whatever, yeah, um, and you're interested in finding out what a more local convention is like, um, we'll be covering that, and also, if you're going, uh, get in contact with us, let us know, and uh, we'll get together and play some games. So. Because, because Luke, speaking of, of Alan, that brings up two things. One, we are now have 100 people in the tavern. Alan being Absolutely one of the awesome. most recent ones. Wasn't that a thing? Like, we had to have 100 to do something special and magic? There's, I don't know, because Facebook changes the rules on these things all the time. I'm going to have okay. to check out the group. But there, for those of you who don't know, uh, one thing that we discovered when we created the tavern is that Facebook hides all these features behind, like, member number walls. Like, you have to have so many people before things happen and so many things before... Uh, things don't happen anymore. Like one of the things right now is, uh, I believe it's still happening. You can, it, it, every time you post something, you can see everybody who's seen it. It, le it lists that after a while, 
they stop doing that. So if nothing else, I want to see lots of people in the tavern so that that creep factor goes away. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if 100 is a magic number, but it's a magic number for us. We, uh, I, when I first posted it up, on my page and on the, the tavern itself, I said, you know, numbers aren't everything, but they are something. And it's really cool that we have this growing community of people that are, are part of what we're trying to do. So that's awesome. The other thing about Alan going with you to Kublai and recording is the fact that your gaming group has now discovered that GSP is a thing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I had always tried to kind of keep it quiet, and and I I'll still kind of do the same. Um, mostly just because I I don't want to bug people who don't want to, who might be playing a game with me, and don't want to think about the fact that I might talk about that the you game might on the talk internet. about it. <laughs> um, I don't know that wouldn't doesn't bother me. Uh, I mean, I don't care if people talk about whatever I do. I but um, you know, it could uh, it could be a thing. So. You know, I don't make a, a big deal about it, but um, those of you guys who are listening who are members of uh, the Monterey Area Gamers Group, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, putting together an amazing group that I can go to and play some games every other week. It actually meets every week, Thursdays at Mythic Games in Monterey. By the way, Mythic Games, new store in Monterey. Very cool guy, Ruben, who run, who owns the place. Uh, go check it out. Spend some money. Um and uh yeah Alan is actually one of the the founding members of uh of MAG the Monterey Area Gamers uh on Meetup and um like I said it's a great group it's been a real blessing for me uh I mean it's just an amazing opportunity to get together with 20 people and play all kinds of games every other week uh is awesome so um yeah that's the thing and speaking of I was there just yesterday and got to play a couple of games you were mentioning uh, this. There's a new miniatures game in your life, or at least on well, the periphery of your life. So, okay. Now, here's the thing, right? It's it's weird, because it's a new game store in Monterey. Look, the thing is, is it's still a... I mean, yeah, it's a city and all that kind of stuff, and there's a lot of people in the area, but it's a small town, pretty much. So, you know, it's mostly the same people. It's like we just moved from one store to the next. But, you know, when you get a new owner, when you get some new people, you get a new space, there's a new vibe. Um, you know, there's just new interests. And one of the, two of the games that uh, I know uh, Ruben, the owner, is really into and wants to see leagues put together at Mythic is uh, our 40k. And we can talk about that if you want as well. And uh, a game called Infinity. Uh, I had never heard of Infinity. I mean, I'd seen like I'd seen Infinity miniatures and whatnot, but I'd never really paid attention. I guess is maybe the best way to put it. Um, until he mentioned that it's a game that he, you know he really wants to see played at his store. Um, and so I started checking it out. It's more of a skirmish type game. It's not uh, as skirmishy as say like a War Machine or um, Malifaux, it's maybe 10 to 12 models in most games, give or take. Is that, um, is that on both sides or on one side? On both sides, yeah. Okay. Um, the models are actually pretty inexpensive for metal models. Like, you could probably put that whole 10 to 12 together for 100, 100 bucks. Which, um, for miniatures gaming, isn't bad. Yeah, oh, it's, that's, that, that's totally reasonable for miniatures gaming. Um... And it's got an interesting kind of a mechanism where uh, you you don't necessarily have to move every. Let's say you have five player, five units on your team, or f- uh, five models on your team. You get five orders, and you don't have to distribute those five orders one to each model. You can put three on one model, two on another model, and the other two don't do anything that turn. Uh, so that's kind of interesting and. Then the next sort of interesting step is that there is a, a reactive fire that is happening at, at any point. So the game is really into cover and lines of sight and maneuvering and things like that. So even when you're, it's not your turn, you still need to be active to make sure, you know, hey, if somebody moves across a line of sight where I have a guy, I'm going to take a shot at him right now. 
Um, and so it looks like an interesting game. I just, I don't know if I want to take on another tabletop game or not. I love them. I love them a lot. But they tend to be a fairly high level of investment in both time and energy. And it's one of those things where without a community, it's just not worth doing. Yep, and that... I mean, obviously the cost is a, a, a wall for entry, but uh, part of the reason why I never got into it is because I never had that community. And whereas board gaming, it, there's a one-time cost, and and I can I can slowly build up that community. I don't want to drop you know two hundred, three hundred dollars to get both sides of an army to get people into this community. Yeah, and you know, and it's different with board gaming because. You know, you can sit down for an hour or two or three or whatever it happens to be and play a game. And, yeah, you know, uh, that's it. You don't need to... That that group of people doesn't need to necessarily be back together again to play the next game next week. Um, But in order to justify the cost of a miniatures game, you really need to have an ongoing community that's playing on a regular basis. Well, I, I've seen I've seen a lot of advertisements lately for a I don't know if it's new or it's just they got it in stock again, but they recently put out a uh, a BattleTech starter set, and if you and I didn't live on opposite ends of the country, I, I mean I would love to to sit down with you and play BattleTech. Yep. But right now I'm like, so I'd get the starter set and then spend the next year trying to convince somebody that this is worth playing. Oh, that's essentially what I've done. I mean, I have the starter set. I've played it like twice. Um, But I love the game, and so I have it right there with me. So if anybody wants to play, we'll play. You know, but but that's for me. You know, my my history with Battletech is long and passionate. So, (laughs) uh, you know, that's a particular thing. An epic love affair for the ages. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I wouldn't do that for 40K or Warhammer Fantasy. Um, I'm just not that connected to those games. And uh, one thing that uh, our, the store there is thinking about doing, and I really hope that if any of the games um, they they do, they do what's called an Escalation League. Okay, I have no idea what that is. Okay, so uh, let's say you're going to go with uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Okay. And you do an escalation league with Warhammer Fantasy. Well, let's you're going to get together once a month to play. Okay, the first time you get together, you're going to play 500 points, which is basically like a box of one unit and a hero. Right, your your standard starter. No, not even Not even that. wow, just a one guy and like yeah, that's not even unit, the standard starter. Like one unit and a hero. You know, and you get that unit, and that month you build that unit, and you paint that unit, and you get together, and you learn how to play with just like a couple of troops. You know, one unit and a hero. And so then the next month it might be 250 points, or 1,000 points, or whatever uh, is the appropriate, you know, so you end up spending a little bit of money every month. It's actually kind of a lot of money, but whatever every month and you're building your army slowly over maybe six months. And at the end of that, then you do a big old tournament together on me, you know, maybe one weekend or something uh, uh, with your full armies that you've built out. And, uh, you know, for me, I think that's, that's the only way I would get into the game. I'm not going to just drop the money on an army, uh, at least on a, I don't know. Are there words for their, for non skirmish miniature games? If there are, I certainly don't know them. Okay, well, full large scale. How about that? Miniature games where you've got a full army. Uh, there's just no way I, I'm dropping that kind of money. Uh, and anyways, I already I already play one full scale miniature game in Flames of War. So if I'm gonna pick up anything, I'd probably be a skirmish game. And uh, again, it just matter it's a matter of what's the community playing. Uh, so we'll we'll see we'll see but anyway uh, so I was at the store yesterday we did, we uh, played some games uh, played two games that I want to talk about uh, one is a game that probably most people have played and I'm really late to uh, called Hanabi 
I've heard great things about it. Didn't it win the the Spiel des Jahres? Uh, I don't know. Probably. It I, seems like I the knew kind of game that would. I knew it was nominated. I believe it won it this year. Um, so Hanabi is a cooperative card game in which you are building a fireworks show. No comment. Okay. We'll continue. Uh, I, trust me, dude. At this point, I've seen games with themes <laughs> that are ridiculous. But if I'm not mistaken, what you're about to say after you're building a fireworks show yes. is more intriguing to me. It is far more intriguing. The hook of this game is you hold your your cards backwards. You can't see your own cards. Everybody else sees your cards. And so you work together giving clues... The goal is to lay down, I think there are five, yeah, five colors, one through five, is the way the decks are built. And your goal is, as a team, to lay down uh, the cards, you know, so you, you let's say you have a, a one, a blue one out there, you're going to want to put a blue two on top of it, or you could put out a yellow one. And so you, you're just moving down all of the colors, so you got to put down all of the colors in order, before either your deck runs out, or uh, if you make mistakes putting down cards, you put down a card that can't be played, the uh, the fireworks fuse shortens, and eventually it will get to the place where it blows up and you lose a thumb. And uh, part of the game is deciding what is the best clue to give at the moment. And the clues that you can give, by the way, are you can tell people that they're holding these three cards are white. You can tell them all of the cards they're holding that are a certain color or a certain number. You can tell them here are all your twos. And uh, so part of the game is giving good clues. The other part of the game is being able to hold your cards and remember the clues that people have told you (laughs) without ever looking at them. Stockpiling information from three turns ago. Yeah, right, and and you know, you you basically the only mechanisms you have for that are either a good memory of which I have none, uh, very good long term memory, terrible short term memory, and uh, uh, then the way you position the cards in your hand. Uh, we did pretty well. Uh, I think there are six levels of uh, score, and I think we got four out of six. Um, but it was a really fun game. I think in part it was a really fun game because uh, the guy who taught it uh, and was kind of guiding us through the game uh, did a really excellent job. And, um, you know, clearly the kind of guy who, like, you know, he's a Zen master of this kind of game, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, he, he's really experienced in it. But uh, clearly a game that he really enjoyed and wanted us to experience and was very cool about, like, you know, if somebody made a good move, he kind of said so. And, you know, I mean, excellent. Really uh, improved the experience. So a good game, a game I think that just about anybody would enjoy playing. And uh, also a really good bonding kind of a game. Uh, something we talk about on this show a lot. Um, so, yeah, Hanabi, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then the next game I want to talk about is the complete opposite of uh, of Hanabi. It is a game called Terra Mystica. Oh, I want to play <laughs> that game so bad. All right, so Terra Mystica is a Euro game, and, uh, you know, we do try to explain our terms when we, when we, uh, when we use them. And Terra, it's, it's Terra spreads Shidika. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, a Euro game. How would you describe a Euro game? Um, Theme doesn't Euro- matter so much as getting points by moving your little wooden cubes around. Right. Okay, this is a game with a lot of mechanisms, and I generally, almost always, uh, the goal is to earn victory points. Uh, you're pretty much always managing some kind of resource, uh, and you're pretty much always using those resources to uh, to activate parts of the game. That was vague, but they're hard to describe, okay? So, Terra Mystica, uh, you are playing, uh, it's a hex-based board, and uh, on each of those hexes is, uh, represents one of, I think, seven different terrain types. So, you know, mountains, lava, marshes, 
fields, etc., etc. And you are playing as one fantasy race. I happen to be playing as mermaids uh, because I'm so mermaidy. And you know, uh, every time I see you, I you just think, think mermaid. Yeah, that's because I look like a fish. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, and uh, your goal in the game, I mean, is to get victory points. But but the basic mechanic of the game is your particular species can only live on one type of of uh, location. So the mermaids can only live on a watery type space. And so what you're doing is trying to terraform spaces that are next to you to turn them into your kind of space and then you can build on them. And once you build on them, you can increase, you can um, evolve your building to like one of five different buildings. And uh, in doing so, you're managing, um, you're managing workers, gold, magic, priests. I think that's it. I think well, that's everything. The reason the reason I used that uh, that little nickname for Terra Mystica that I believe I I can't remember who it was that I got it from. So if you're listening and you know that I stole that that name from somebody, we'll just assume that I'm giving them credit right now. Uh, is because you get a little board, which is common with Euro games. Every player gets yep. their own little board. Board, not as in B-O-R-E-D. Board as in B-O-A-R-D. <laughs> yes. And uh, so you know. what happens is that when you build one thing, it basically changes how much of a certain right. resource you get. And then when you upgrade it to the next building, you put the, the building that got upgraded back on your board, so right. you're like, if I upgrade it, I'll get this cool thing, but I'll also be getting less of this other thing that I've been getting, and it's basically very brain-burnery from what I've heard. It's a lot of thinking you know about what? balance. Let's, let's talk about that, okay? Um, because I have decided that there are three levels of Euro games. Okay. I uh, think or, I know well, where you're going, but please just... continue. Three levels of kind of games. Let's, let's take the Euro part out, okay? Uh, there are games, and, and this is more recent, but where the level of of potentiality has gone fractal, okay? There are so many things that you can do. You you know there are games where like you can you can attack the next guy, you can trade with them, you can build the building, you can. Uh, you can hire people. You can build a frog. You can get there's stuff everywhere, and all of it has victory points attached. And it gets to the point where it's just like you almost can't. It's too computationally heavy, so you don't do computation. Explain the universe and use three examples. Right, and you're just in a game like that. You kind of almost. Or zenning it, right? You're kind of just going with your gut and deciding that this is the way it's going to be. Then there are other games that are really elegant and streamlined. And I'll always point to Power Grid as this this kind of game where, yes, there are multiple things that are happening, but it if you're if you're sharp, you can certainly plan several steps ahead. A game like Terra Mystica fits in the middle. Where, yes, you can plan, but there's a lot going on. And, you know, I got to a point where I missed by one gold. I missed, I misplanned. And, you know, I, it was the, the game, I think, seven, eight turns, something like that. And I was, I had been building to turn five. Because I knew on turn five I was going to do these six things and it was going to be awesome. Except that I didn't, somehow, I don't know what I did, but... I was one gold short, and there was no way for me to make that gold that turn, and I was toast, right? Um, and so there is that kind of, you can plan and you can work on it, but it's not so simple that you can guarantee that your prognostic prognostication is going to work. Um, and, you know, I think that for that reason, it's a really good game. It's super fun. Oh, everything I've seen about it makes me want to own it and want to play it constantly, but I just yeah. haven't. Um, 
again, if you don't like Euro games, and that's a lot of people, and that's totally cool, you're not going to enjoy this game. But if you're willing to sit down and play a hardcore game that's going to last a couple hours, and you're going to have to really kind of fight through, it's a good game. And uh, this is coming from somebody who does lean more toward the power grid, simple, kind of streamlined, elegant games. Um, But I really enjoyed it. Uh, Really cool uh, magic mechanism um, that I really liked, uh, where your magic lives in three bowls. And it has to move from the lowest bowl to the second bowl, and from second bowl to the third bowl, and magic kind of moves funky. And you can burn magic to move it in different places. And very cool. Um, and the thing that I love most, uh, I hate Euro games where there's like 75 different buildings that could be in play. I think there's only like three or four in this one. Yeah, right there's, there? and it's, you can't, they don't really change. Uh, they're, they're built into the board. Um, you know, so there's only so many actions that can be taken. Uh, most of the actions in the game can be taken by everybody. Uh, a lot of games you're competing to, you know, which action do you want. There are a handful. Um, you know, I drove everybody crazy by always taking the money action. Um, but uh, really good, balanced, middle-of-the-road Euro game that is not too easy. It's not too hard. It's got cool theme, and the theme makes sense. And each each race plays differently. And, uh, you know, the board is really smartly designed uh, so that your terraforming, I don't know how to describe it, but the way that the various, okay, so let's say you're, in my case, was, I I needed a lake to build uh, mermaid towns on. Well, it's easier to terraform a marsh into a lake than it is to say, Terraform a mountain or a desert into a lake. It requires more workers. It requires more effort. The layout of the of the board, and I'm sure it's just you know some funky math or something, but is such though so that you have a really a really good growth curve uh, on your towns uh, and the the game in general. You know, it's almost like. It's really designed so that the first turn, there's always something right next to you that you can build on. And by the third turn, you can start expanding farther than that. And by the end of the game, you've got enough power that you could you could terraform the whole world if you needed to. Um, it's a lot of fun. Good Euro game. And uh, I enjoyed playing it a whole lot. Yeah, it sounds like a phenomenal game. Yeah, absolutely. Totally worthwhile. Uh, I, I recommend it. So what about you, Mike? Uh, have you been playing... Uh, uh, anything uh, other than I've, Netrunner? I've been playing a bunch of things. and <laughs> Other than Netrunner Thursday, I did not get much Netrunner in. Oh, who am I kidding? Of course I did. Um, we recently, this past weekend was St. Patrick's Day. And uh, on Saturday, uh, a friend of mine threw uh, a huge, like, let's just get together and game kind of party for St. Patrick's Day. So naturally, I brought my games, they brought their games, other people brought their games... It was just a big heaping pile of awesome. Um, I I did have to I did show a little bit of my game snobbery as the first as soon as my wife and I walked in we were ushered into a game of apples to apples that had like sixteen people in it. <laughs> it wasn't actually sixteen; it was closer to like ten, but it was still way too many people to be playing apples to apples. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go over here and try to get a game of something else going. And then immediately convince my buddy that uh, the Netrunner cards that he had bought, he needs to learn how to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can also say that I got to play a game that has been sitting in my collection for a while. I got it on Kickstarter. Uh, and oh. it's been just, it's one of those games that it's been, for some reason, it's kind of flown under the radar for my gaming group. Uh, it's called The Agents. I got nothing. The Agents was... I mean, it was a pretty big deal on Kickstarter for a while because it was one of those games that you could buy pretty much the core set for $15. And anytime you go on Kickstarter and say, here's a game for $15, it's going to get some people's attention. Yeah. The really uh, fascinating thing about The Agents is, is that you are in control of two factions of 
basically these like super secret agents. But the factions aren't just yours. They are shared with the player on your left and the player on your right. And each agent does two things. It will give you points or it will perform an action. And which one that does depends on which side it's pointing. So say you point the little, little there's little arrows on each one. If you point the arrow towards yourself, you're going to be getting points. However, the player that uh, shares the faction with you will then be able to immediately use that player's, not even be able to, they are required to do the action that that, uh, that agent performs. So you are killing agents and flipping them over. You are extracting agents, taking them out. You are moving them around and, and putting them in different places. And the whole goal is to uh, get, well, it's a victory point game. You're basically getting up to 40 points. But those points are also used by uh, to get more agents, to do missions that will also get you more points. And it's just this mad, crazy rush to get to that 40-point goal. And this game impressed me so much that eventually uh, I, there, a whole bunch of stuff just hit the site recently. So I'm going to... I'm basically going to calm down a little bit on my writing for the site just to let people breathe. But eventually I will, I do want to write a, a level up article about agents because of the fact that no action that you do is without consequence. It affects other people. There is no acting within a vacuum in this game. And, and that fascinates me. And my, uh, my buddies and I, we, we sat down, we figured it out. Um, there was some, there was a little bit of of confusion because because it was Kickstarter. I I got a couple little extra packs that they got, and those extra packs didn't come with the instructions. <laughs> so instructions. So so the basic stuff we knew how to play immediately, but there was other stuff like there's cards that are called partner cards. We weren't sure how to play them, but we figured it out. Um, and I, it's just it's just such a fascinating game. Not not a long game. I would say that we were averaging about half an hour a game, which is is really nice for a good light yeah. fun card game. But oh, it was such it was so much fun and there were a lot of cool uh there's a lot of cool synergy that was going on. Like in one of my factions, you get this guy uh I forget what his name like I said this was the first time I was playing so I don't remember all the agents names. But there was one guy who basically lets you extract someone, which is take them up into your hand, from the other uh, faction that, you, that you're that you in control of. So my buddy kept trying to kill off my one agent. So then I would use this guy who got people out. I'd pull that guy back in my hand and play him again. <laughs> and so you just have this ridiculous insanity of, oh, you tried to kill him? pull him out, put him back. And just every turn was like that. And I kept getting the points from him. And it was so cool just to see that. And to the, the, the joyous frustration that, that came out of that game. It was a ton of fun for, for really not that complicated a game. So that was nice. a lot of fun. And I think that maybe we have just stumbled upon the, uh, the uh, title for this episode, The Joyous Frustration. The Joyous I like Frustration. That. I like that. we got to do something with I could, that. I could, easily, I could easily make that the title. Um, other than that, I have been... I'm looking forward tomorrow to playing with my, my D&D group. Uh, the guys and I who have been playing for years. I get to play Thomas Mycroft and be a jerk for six hours. Um, which is really fun, because in that game we are spiraling ever onward into Thomas's horrible demise... So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Never has uh, playing a guy who I know is going to die a fiery death has have I had more fun. I'm also really we're really starting to ramp up with our play by post. Speaking of of role playing okay. games, um, Jeff has been we're, we're in the prologue now, so all the characters have kind of come together. We've had our initial little meetings and stuff like that, and. I'm just going to say it right now. The past three posts have been... I don't even know who all is playing who. So if you're listening to this and you're playing one of these people, 
dude, make a comment somewhere on the site or in the tavern or whatever. Um, because this is, uh, this stuff is amazing. I had this, this great moment where, um, I'm, I'm using my last heal spell of the day or my second to last heal spell of the day to heal this NPC that was really special to this, uh, other character who just showed up. And, uh, the one, one guy who, who his character's name is Carl Marsh. Carl basically has this epic screw you guys. I'm out. I've done my job and I'm going back home. And so my guy takes him to task and says, you know, you're going to let these people go off into slavery. You're a terrible person. I thought you were a better man than this. And his response was, I was. Ask my dead children. (laughs) And you have this epic moment. And literally one post just got put up, which is a book. And I'm going to have to read this as soon as we're done recording. uh, Because it just looks outstanding. And I I absolutely love these guys. And quite frankly, two things have been... Well, three things have been solidified in this. One, Drogon is one of my favorite characters I've ever played to date. Nice. Uh, my happy little dwarf bard, who I, I'm convinced that Pathfinder is the only system you can successfully roll a dwarf bard. <laughs> <laughs> um... He, yeah, he's he's one of my favorite characters I've ever played in a role-playing game. Um, two, this is my first, first play by post. It will not be my last. And, and this is my first Pathfinder game. It will not be my last because I I, I could see that you would like Pathfinder for sure. Pathfinder is just such a great system. And like I said, the reason why I say that, um, Pathfinder is one of the few systems that you can roll a dwarf bard and not make it ridiculous is because it gives you options like right now my guy is good at combat which is really hard to do in some systems if i rolled a bard in 4th edition D&D he'd he'd be useless in a fight other than the 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 songs that he sings right my guy this first fight other than a couple instances of cure light wounds i basically took an axe and put it in guys' foreheads. That's what I did. I was responsible for killing two of the guys we fought this this last fight. And 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 he's just so he's so much fun. And it's all the little side stuff. And and the reason that play by posts have become such this interesting dynamic to me, um, in this short time that we've been playing, and I think it's only going to get more more so as our characters kind of get intertwined like we're we're doing the everybody meets at the end moment so it it there's not that that buy-in with other characters yet but there like i said there have already been so many little epic role-playing moments that if i was sitting at the table i don't i don't i don't think it wouldn't happen but to the extent that it's happening the 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 intricacies of the storytelling that's going on right now is phenomenal. And and I don't think that it necessarily plays out that way if you have it at the table. Like I actually had a moment where my guy uh his la- he left his last words uh say basically dropping the 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 hammer down and saying I was under the impression you were a better man than that. And then just started, you know, uh filling his pipe and walking outside. Like I Oh my goodness! I had so much fun writing that little that little entry, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I really I really enjoy it. I love Pathfinder as a system, though. Again, it's early days, but so far I have been really impressed. Yeah, I've never had a problem with it. Just works. Yeah, no, it's 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 one of those things. Like there's there's more front end work for character creation. Yeah. Oh yeah. But once you get that done. Everything just fits. Right. So I'm really liking it as a system, and I can easily see myself at some point getting the core book and taking this to the table, because I really... Like, I've always thought that I like Pathfinder as a system, but this is proving to me that, yes, I I could really do some awesome stuff with this. And we point out, as we often do, you can buy the digital version of the Pathfinder core book for, like, next to nothing. 
Yeah, you can. It's like ten awesome. bucks on the Paizo site. But yeah, and and Jeff is is just killing it. He's doing such a good job. He is controlling like six NPCs right now at the same time, and he's sending us emails with special stuff. Like, I I can tell that he's sending stuff to the other guys. And there's been a couple times where he's dropped some, an email to me saying, "Hey, you know about this, but nobody else does." Nice. We've had little asides, and one of the cool things that I you can kind of pull it off on the table. With, like, notes and stuff, and I've, I've done that stuff as a GM, but, like, built into the, the, the forum is a spoiler button, where basically, if, unless you click that button, you don't see what the person put. So, like, there was a discussion that my character had with this NPC, and we did it in Dwarven. We were speaking the Dwarven dialect, and so unless you know Dwarven... You don't know what you have no idea what right. we're saying. So what we did was is that he he said it and he put it under a spoiler button and said only those who speak dwarven. And so then I responded because I'm the only dwarf in the party and I responded in dwarven and I put it in a spoiler button so that only Jeff and I, I mean, provided that everyone's playing, you know, fairly, fairly, which I don't see why we wouldn't would kill the fun. Right. Right. Um, we're the only person, we're the only people who know that. And all of us are having these little asides. Like, in fact, if you look on my character sheet, which I think, uh, Jeff started blogging, like, story stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he just basically gives recaps of what happened. Right. And I think on the blog, and I'll link this in the, the post that I do for this episode, but, um, he, he has little links to our, our play-by-post. So to if you floor. want to look more... Yeah directly at the nuts and bolts of this stuff you can. Um, but if you look at my character sheet, I have a spoiler and in that spoiler uh, there's one that says description, one that says a description of the the instrument that I carry because it's I, my guy is not so much a musician as he is a storyteller and an orator but he does have this epic drum, this ironwood drum that he made and so I had a description of that and a spoiler button and I literally had one that says Seriously, this is Drogon's secret. If you don't want to be a, if you if you don't want to have a surprise, or your name is Jeff, you can click this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm having a ton of fun doing this. I'm really looking forward to it. So that's that's a lot of what I'm I'm playing right now. Nice. I'll tell you what. I'm uh, I'm looking at the table that is sitting right in front of me as we record this. And my Netrunner core set and my Netrunner creation and control expansion. Oh, the you boxes got there control are too. empty. Uh, the cards have been sorted. And so I will be playing my first Netrunner game on Tuesday. All, you know, oh. if things all go according to plan. I remember my uh, first game. <laughs> so uh, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm a little behind the eight, the eight ball on this. Uh, oh, dude, so was I. Netrunner yeah. has been out since 2012. So, oh yeah, way back in 2012. Hey, when it comes <laughs> when it comes to Cult of the New here, that's that's been around a while. Yeah, um, and so uh, I'm looking forward uh, to playing that. Um, puts together some decks here, uh, probably tonight. Have we? As we uh, sign off, so to speak, and uh, play my first games on Tuesday. Looking forward to it, and uh, we'll definitely be reporting on that experience on the next episode. Yes, and and at some point we'll have to sit down and try to orchestrate a Skype version. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've got the camera on my computer, and I have no idea whether it's uh, high res enough to. Uh, to be able to play, but we should definitely give it a shot. At yeah, the, ca- the cameras will just be to keep us honest. I think we can. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. And, you know, just kind of tell each other what the cards are. Right. Uh, so I think that'll be, uh, that will be something else that we are going to be reporting on uh, coming up. So do we have, uh, what, I know, what we did we go through the whole run through here? What was, it, was there anything I'm missing? There was, and it's a there little okay. a little glorious piece of news that came about. Uh, we mentioned it ages ago, speaking of Kickstarters, because this was a Kickstarter. And it, okay. <laughs> and I just figured out what you're talking about. <laughs> we, this was a Kickstarter a while ago, and it kind of just 
One of those ones that if you didn't actively contribute, which I don't think either of us did, it, it just kind of faded away, and we're all we were all waiting to see what happened. Well, it's happening. Dark Dungeons, the movie. Uh, if for those of you who don't know, Dark Dungeons was a Jack Chick track uh, talking about how Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what a Chick track was, you're a better human being than I am. Yes, because... and basically it was a cartoon. Uh, evangelistic track that was really big in the 70s and 80s. Basically the cartoon embodiment of Hellfire and Brimstone sermons. Yeah. A super radically fundamentalist conservative kind of a thing. Right. And so Dark Dungeons was one specifically talking about the evils of Dungeons and Dragons. This was, if it wasn't I mean, it was definitely during the 80s craze of D&D equals Satan worship. Uh, if not the catalyst that started the D&D is Satan worship uh, thing that happened predominantly in the 80s. Somebody got on Kickstarter. By the way, you could still buy this track. Today. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And oh my goodness, it's it's impressive. Copyright 1984. But what this person did is they contacted Jack Ch- Jack Chick and said, we want to turn this into a movie. Now, before you get all up in arms, because we're preaching to the choir here and, and y'all probably don't need to be it, it, have it explained to you that D&D does not necessarily lead to Satan worship, this is going to be satire. It's going to be satire and it's going to be glorious. I've... If I can, if I can get my hands on this on this DVD, which supposedly they're going to have it at Gen Con, and if they do, I'm going to make sure that I get a copy of it because I want to do an inroads viewing slash panel discussion <laughs> of Dark Dungeons. But this is a thing, and uh, on YouTube you can see the trailer for the movie, and it. It's, I mean, it's, I don't even have words. I'm at an absolute loss for words to describe how ridiculous this is going to be. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of me wants to just mock, but part of me's like, yeah, that's not right. You know, um, I, I, I guess, uh, maybe for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, you know, go back to our very first episode. Uh, is the first time we discussed this, but uh, in the eighties, uh, there was a major move, uh, both within fundamentalism but also well within evangelicalism, uh, against Dungeons and Dragons, and that has lingered, uh, lingered since, uh, and of course expanded into video games and and a lot of the stuff that we're into, um, and on the one hand. They really are, theoretically at least, honest attempts at, at salvation. On the other hand, they are bigoted, ignorant, ridiculous garbage. Um, but this particular one has become more than just that. It's become a social icon, yeah. if you will. It, it is it, syn- it's, it's synonymous... It's synonymous with the idea of D&D equals Satan worship. Yeah, and I think it's more than that. It This is almost a uh, part of our culture just standing up and declaring we're okay. And, you know, just trying to cast off all of that ridiculous darkness. Because i got to tell you, I play games with a lot of people and not a one of them what I call dark. No. These are generally very happy, very kind, very outgoing people who just happen to love weird stuff. You know, I'll tell you some of the like some of my favorite people really like stuff like, you know, Lovecraft and vampires and they can tell you the difference between a gnoll and a goblin and a bugbear, you know, and uh yeah, I yeah, I I can Pretty much every statement you just made is me. Right. And, you know, but these are they're not dark, sad, scared people. They're very happy, uh, lively, 
people. And uh, <laughs> I've been called many things, but dark has never been one of them. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, and uh, so I, I do... I feel this from both sides. I really do. I feel it from like the conservative Christian in the 80s side, and I feel it from the geek in the 2000s side. And... Uh, the whole thing is just such a farce and a ridiculousness that, at the very least, can this just be the death knell in this thing? Like, can we just be done with this conversation now? Uh, I, I'd love to say that, but there are already people citing the fact that this movie's getting made as an I told you so. Yeah, you know, I, I really do hope that we're... that. In a world where we have the internet and we have communication, and more than that, you can video people. You go to YouTube right now and watch ten thousand different gaming sessions. And uh, I'd, I'd highly recommend a couple play. different ones. Yeah, well, and um, you know, and I all of the 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 misinformation that's out there can be dismissed by truth. You look around, you can see what's real now. And I get it, okay? In 1984, it was probably pretty creepy, right? If you're like a real kind of conservative, whatever was pre-soccer mom kind of a person, and it's the 80s and all you're hearing is weird news stories every now and again about this game, and you've never even seen the game because, you know... It's in that weird section in B. Dalton bookstores, and, you know, the kids are playing it in the basement, and, you know, I'm sure that it was weird. There was no, it was, it was an outsider thing, and there was no good information about it, but there is now. And, um, so I really do hope that this can be kind of just a, a looking back on that time and just being like, that was crazy, you know? It's kind of the same as like trying to turn, you know, lead into gold or or anything like that, you know, or the bad hairdos of the 70s and, and just gone now. Okay, let's just look <laughs> back and laugh at ourselves. Okay, we don't wear bell bottoms anymore or leisure suits and we're glad of it. And uh, as I pointed out to somebody at, uh, today who showed me their high school picture, uh, she showed me uh, what she looked like and actually I guess it was her junior high picture. And I pointed to her and I said, yep, I had the same hairdo. Uh, you know, we just don't do that anymore. And uh, so uh, hopefully this is something that I don't want to have the conversation anymore. I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely something that I, I get all the time. And uh, I, I think that one thing is, is important to, to kind of wrap this thought up and to wrap up this episode. Because... Even as I describe it, I admit that that I do so mockingly. I really do. Because there's so much hate and so much vitriol built up over this. And we've experienced it. We've experienced it. Both of us have stories about how, you know, somebody... I've I've personally been kind of challenged and attacked that I was, you know, leading kids astray with playing D&D. So I you know this isn't something that we speak of theoretically. This is something that we've we've been on the other side of. Oh, absolutely. I was at a church where I had to turn all of these things in, you know, to be, I don't know, ceremoniously trashed, I guess. Right. Yeah. So for us there is a bit of backlash that we feel towards these people who are saying that that this really overall harmless little hobby that we have is akin to turning aside from God, which is the last thing that we want to do. It's the farthest thing from our minds. So we do we do kind of strike back in, in mocking. But, you know, we're also tied to the fact that these are brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And, and there is that balance. And I think a lot of times, if we agree with them, we cast aside anybody who's on the other side. If we disagree with them, we put them down as as, you know, the not so. Yeah, pretty much. And I think I think there has to be a middle ground. Well, we're we, the middle ground. I think I I'd like to think we're the middle ground. 
I don't know. I just think that, that that's why when I said I want to do a viewing of this, like, yeah, I could see like it was funny. We were joking. Uh, Derek White and I were joking about when they do it at Gen Con, we're going to go. And especially because Derek has the collar. We totally want to go and just play it up. <laughs> and and who knows if we're actually going to do that or not. But I, I kind of hope we do. But uh, just show up in costume and, and really just go to town. Like, we'll do stuff like that. But if we do a viewing, if, if I come home with a DVD and we do a viewing, I don't want to just do it. And I don't want to just mock it. I, I want to have, like, a panel of my buddies and I, or the people that I know who play, the people who I know who I've walked through games. And I want to have to open up a discussion. Right. Because... I think a lot of times we we go from knee-jerk to knee-jerk. We think that, oh, you know, this is bad, so we must completely wipe it from the planet. But then we realize, oh, maybe it's not. Maybe there's some good here. And then we, instead of just saying, oh, let's talk to these people and let's end the, the ignorance that's kind of spread about this game, we go clean to the other side and say, those people are idiots and should be ignored. And we're not, we can't do that because that's why, you know, 20 years later, Luke and I are, or, wow, 30 years later, gah. <laughs> 30 years later, Luke and I are still getting hit by, you know, clearly you guys don't love Jesus because you're playing this game and it needs to stop. We need to be out there. We need to be uh, increasing the dialogue. We need to, to own up to when there when there are things that need to be pointed out like again we'll point you back to the first episode that we did that says there isn't they're not completely off base just mostly well yeah what we try to do is we try to take an intelligent honest look at these issues right and, and i think that there needs to be more of in the community no question about it we're biased yes but we we both live firmly within both communities and so we're biased in both directions, if that's possible at all. And if anybody can pull it off, it's us. Yeah. And uh, what we want to do is just be honest about it and say, okay, look, here's the good stuff. If there's bad stuff, we say it. We do. Go back and listen. There's 70 episodes prior to this where you can hear it. And, you know, when we, it's the same as when we talk about, you know, being addicted to Warhammer or World of Warcraft or whatever it is, you know, there are problems. But but for the most part, we believe in this hobby. We think it's a great hobby to be a part of. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to spread the word uh, just as we have been. And I'm just thrilled by the way that it's gone so far. Yep. So So definitely be listening as we will maybe have some kind of event in the future. But I, this 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 is definitely a thing that we want to be aware of and make you guys aware of as well. Absolutely, and uh, if only so that again we can say, let's just finish this thing and be done and, and move along and together decide that we can be smarter and and uh, you know whether you're because I, I, all I can think about is the fact that I don't know who's listening to this show. You know, there could be somebody right now listening to this show who completely disagrees with us. That's okay. You know what? Have a conversation with us. Let's talk about it. There could be somebody who is listening to this show right now who grew up just like we did and got slammed and would love to have this hobby back in their life and doesn't know if it's okay. They really and honestly, truly haven't haven't worked through the issues yet talk to us. We want to help you work through those issues. You know what? There could be people who are listening to this show just because they're into board games. They're not Christians at all. They have no idea what we're talking about. They didn't know there was a controversy back in the day. Well, you know what? You do know there's controversies all the time with the church, I'd imagine. Hopefully we are examples of reasonable people who love Jesus and yet love life as well and are not all about the condemnation and the hate and the fear that pervades things like this and so many other things that unfortunately the church gets involved in and uh, I'm just glad that we get this opportunity in our own weird weird way to be a light to the world and say hey look this Jesus thing is amazing 
and you can follow Jesus and have this incredible life and not have to be the kind of guy who passes out of track and tries to scare people into heaven. And uh, I'm just thrilled for all of the people who have come alongside of us along the way uh, to help make that happen. Uh, You know, you're talking about Jeff. Uh, We didn't. We had no idea what kind of gem we had in this guy. We just brought him on because he was good at getting people to do stuff. Right. And, you know, just an amazing community. I I hope that he turns this campaign into an actual, like, written-down campaign that we can get out to people. By the way, Jeff, if you're listening, that's exactly what we're going to make you do. (laughs) You know, this is a playtest. Let's call it that. Uh, but so many awesome people get to be a uh, part of this. And if you're interested in being part of what we do here at Game Store Profits or at Inroads Ministries, you can go to inroadsministries.com slash contact. There you will find myriads of ways in which you can get connected with us. Probably the most important of which is the Tavern, mm-hmm. uh, which is our Facebook group page something i don't know it's the group the the page still exists you can definitely uh like us on facebook uh facebook.com slash uh inroads ministries but at inroads ministries there's all kinds of places you can click on the facebooky thing yep or the twittery thing or whatever and uh we'd love for you to do that send us emails do all that kind of stuff we love it there and uh, there's there's more than enough room for people to to contribute because I will say for a fact that uh, we have had this avalanche of people coming to the site. And if I, when I look over the statistics, I look and I see this trend of the fact that the most popular post that we've had was uh, a review that that T. Morris, uh, our our visiting author, did for Dixit, got huge number of views. And oh my goodness. Uh, Thomas Kohler, uh, put up the pediademic post, which I begged him to do from the, he put it up in the tavern. I begged him to just write this up so that we can put it on inroads. He did so. And I swear to you, it is quite possibly the most viewed article on the site right now. So you guys are better than us. Yep. That's the whole point of this thing. We're just two talking heads. You're the ones who are awesome. So we definitely want to encourage that. We want to see see more of that stuff come in and uh, just blow up with awesomeness. And don't forget, there's still time to support uh, Mike and his epic day-o gaming. Uh, so there'll be links there as well. Uh, and as always, folks, we remind you that God is the Game Master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.